Is that how you feel this afternoon, this evening? Lord, without you, I'm nothing. Lord, take my hand. Hold my hand. Lead me. Guide me that I may stand. Without his guiding, without his leadership, where would we be at tonight, church? We'd be in a lost condition. We'd be in a messed up place. But he saw fit to call your name and reach out to you and give you an opportunity and and lead you through this wilderness that we've been in. Let's talk to him now. Father, Lord, all my soul needs, Lord, Lord, is for you to cover me. Lord, for you to take control. Lord, for you to lead me and for you to guide me. Lord, what does it matter what I accomplish, Lord, if it's outside of your will? What would it matter, Lord, what we'd accomplish here on earth if we lose our souls? But, Lord, may we tonight, each and every one, look into the Word and line up our lives with the Word, Lord, and submit our lives to the Word and to your leadership and say, Lord, take complete control. Lord, lead me, Lord. Guide me, Lord. Help me, Lord Jesus, just to come in line with where it is you want me to be. Lord, I pray that, Lord, not only for each one of our lives, but for this service now. Lord, that you would lead and guide and speak to our hearts. You see, Lord, the direction that you, that you led me. I just pray, Lord, that you'll take the words of life, that you'll bless it to each heart. You know who it's for. Lord, you know exactly where the, the word is supposed to land. I pray that you'll just take control now, Lord. Take control of this vessel and this gift and use it for your glory, Lord. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with me and you'd like to turn with me to Joshua, the 24th chapter, we'll read one verse there and then we're going to turn over and read from Romans 8 and 13. Amen. It's good to be in the house of God tonight. It's always good to be with believers in his presence and to open up the word of God and to allow it to speak to us. It is so rich, it is so wonderful, even in the correction of the word, as sons of God, we relish in that, knowing that he doesn't correct those that aren't his, and we're thankful for every part of the word that he he gives us. We're going to read verse 3, Joshua 24 and 3, and it says, I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed. And gave him Isaac. In other words, what what he's saying here is, Abraham wasn't just wandering around. I didn't just call him and turn him loose and just send him on a wandering, you know, here and there and everywhere. But I was with him every step of the way. And I led him through the land of Canaan. Romans 8 and verse 13. Romans 8 and verse 13. says, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen. You may have your seats tonight and ask that the Lord would add his blessing To the reading of the word. What we saw there in Joshua 24 and 3 is that Abraham was led. And then we come forward and we see in Romans that that 
For as many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. As children of God, what we must do is allow ourselves to be led. And that's going to be really our thought and our focus tonight is being led to victory. Being led to victory. And maybe we'll take it at a little different pace tonight. We'll just see how the Lord would lead and lay some things in here. But we just want him to take control. I, I believe that we all have the desire tonight to be led of God. I pray that we do, that we're not just wandering around doing what we want to do, saying what we want to say, living how we want to live and expecting a good outcome because I've got bad news for you. That's not going to work out. Uh, uh, but being able to be led and humbling oneself down is how one is actually successful as a Christian. Brother Brandon would tell us, you know, if you, if you want to be successful as a Christian, humble yourself down. You want to go somewhere with God, how low can you go? And, and what he's getting at there is being able to lay aside self-will, lay aside what it is you want, and allow God to lead you in every avenue of your life. It's something that I've said many times, but, but whenever I've throughout the course of my life done things in the moment, uh, what, what Aaron thought should happen, or I acted according to my own thoughts, or else I made decisions based off of my emotions, a rash decision based off my emotions and how I thought I should react, it's in those times that I found myself off course. It's in those times that I found myself looking around for a moment. And sometimes we ask ourselves the question, well, how did I end up here? And in reality, we know exactly how we ended up there. It's just sometimes hard for ourselves to humble ourselves down and admit I was wrong. I'm here because I did what I thought should happen. And those are the times we find ourselves off course. And the reason we do those things it is, it is because it is within each and every one of us to take care of us. Even those of us who we might not consider ourselves selfish people, we have something on the inside of us and it's called self-preservation. And what self-preservation is, it's actually a basic instinct of human nature to try and avoid harm or try to avoid hurt and to make sure that you are okay. So our very first instinct is do what's best for me. Now, we, many of us are able to battle that and we're able to overcome that, but it's still usually the first instinct that strikes you, what's best for me in this situation? What's best for ourselves? What's best in this moment that's going to help preserve me? But the problem, though, with humanity is that rarely do we actually know what's best for ourselves. Rarely do we know what course of action we should actually take, and it's because we judge what is best based off of the moment based off of right now and based off of flesh and emotions. So according to our flesh, according to my emotions, according to right now in this moment, this is what I should do. This is how I should act. This is what I should say. And what it is is that Adam nature of here and now will often override the spiritual nature that would look to our eternal benefits. That's how God knows what's best for you is he knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's best for you eternally. Sometimes we look at the scripture there that says all things work together for good. And you're like, how? There is no way that that car wreck right there was good for me. No way that this person saying that to me was good for me. There's no way because in the moment in our Adam fleshly nature, we don't like it and we can't see how it was good for us. But he's not talking about good for this. 
He's not talking about what's good for your bank account. He's not talking about good in that way. He's looking at eternal things, and he knows what it's going to take to get you there. And when he says all things work for that, he's saying all things are going to work for good to make sure you have eternal life. That's what he's looking at, not the here and now, not the moment. But what we have to do is trust. And once again, human nature, trust is not easy. Especially when we've been hurt, especially in the ups and downs of life. It's not easy to trust, even when we're speaking of trusting in the Lord. We have to trust that God's word is true and that he who has started the work is going to finish the work. The one who brought us out will most definitely take us in. We have to get to the place to where we trust that the same power that delivered us is the same power that's going to see us all the way through to the end. Look, I don't know what's going to happen between now and then. I don't know what's going to happen between being filled with the Holy Ghost and going in the rapture. I don't know about every single up and down. I don't know about every trial I'm going to face. I can't tell you what's coming towards you and your family next week. I don't know those things, but I know he promised that he's going to take us out and he's going to take us in. That's where the promise lies. I I can't see every trial that I'm going to face. I don't know every struggle that's going to come along the way. We don't get a heads up about these things. They don't tell, the Lord don't say, Brother Derek, tomorrow your transmission's going out. But it happened. And God is still good, and you're still going to make it. You're still going to overcome what came against you this week. I don't know, but God is still good. His word is still true, and you're still going to make it. I don't know what's coming tomorrow, but God is still good. His word is still true, and you're still going to make it because that is what he's told us. I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to see you all the way in. That's how it was with Moses. Moses was just given the basics. It says in Exodus 3 and 8, And I am come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. I've come down to deliver them and to take them to a land. Now, in the course of his conversation with God, he's told a bit about how Pharaoh's going to say no and he's not going to let them go. And, and, he's, and he's told that Egypt's going to be plagued. And then he says, and you're going to spoil the Egyptians. But other than that, that's all he told him. He says, I'm going to take you out and I'm going to take you in. Listen, the Red Sea was not discussed. There was not a moment where it was brought up in conversation. All the hunger and the thirst was not discussed. All the grumbling and complaining was not discussed. The serpents biting folks. Hey, it'd have been nice to know that was coming. But it was not discussed. He wasn't told about the serpents. He wasn't told about the Red Sea. He wasn't told that they were going to be hungry. He said, I'm going to take you out and I'm going to take you in. And in between there, Moses had to trust the leadership of the Lord. He had to put his hands in his hand and say, Lord, hold my hand. Lead me. Guide me. Take me all the way. Lord, I'm trusting in you. The only thing that he knew was that the same power that was going to loose the children of Israel is going to be the same power that brings me back to this mountain to worship. And the Lord said, now go. Moses had some excuses, but he didn't want to hear them. He said, I've told you enough. But Lord, what about this? And what about that? I've told you enough. Church, if there's ever been a people who the Lord could look at and say, look, I've told you enough. It's us. 
He's told us enough to trust him. As a matter of fact, he's done more than told us. He showed us. He showed us time and time again that nothing's going to stand before him. He showed us time and time again that sickness won't stand. He showed us time and again that depression won't stand, that the chains of oppression won't stand. He has told us and he has showed us. And now he's saying, now go. Just go do what I told you was going to happen. Fulfill what I've called you to fulfill. Walk and trust and allow me to lead you in the same power that brought you here, that saved your soul, that delivered you. He's going to see you all the way through. And against all the odds, he says, go Moses. Now you have to understand, Moses completely understood the odds. He knew the power of Egypt. He, he, he had tried and failed before to be a deliverer. But this time there was going to be something different. This time the outcome would be different. This time he would overcome where he had failed in the past because this time he had met the pillar of fire. This time there was something different about Moses. Brother Branham says going down to Egypt to take over. Going down to take over a one-man invasion. And the silly part, he did it. Brother Branham says the silly part, he did it. Why? He had faith in the God that he had experience with. God who, who made the difference. He didn't need his military training. He didn't need his scholarships. He needed an experience. And the burning bush had what Moses lacked. Listen, if you've been falling short, if you haven't been able to overcome, if you've tried and tried and tried and failed, let me tell you something. The burning bush has what you lack. The pillar of fire has exactly what you need for you to overcome every trial, every situation. The pillar of fire has what you lack. Once you have your own backside of the desert experience, once you have your own burning bush experience, you can go back to where you failed. You can go back to that thing that hindered you and you will overcome it because it's no longer you doing it. It's no longer your feeble attempts, but the pillar of fire is going with you. The pillar of fire is going before you and the pillar of fire is overcoming through your life. It's no longer just you going and doing it. It's no longer you fighting the battle. But once you find that pillar of fire that has what you like, you can and will overcome everything in your way. Moses didn't have to hide anymore. He didn't have to be afraid anymore. And once you meet this pillar of fire, you won't have to run anymore. You won't have to hide anymore. You will be led by the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost will always lead you to victory. One thing I want you to focus on tonight is no matter where it goes, through briar patches, over rivers, through swamps, wherever it takes you, it's leading you to victory. If you can keep your eye on that, Lord, why am I here? What's going on? It doesn't just remember he's leading you to victory. That is the end result of, of any campaign where the Holy Ghost is the leader. Men have had military campaigns and they failed. But when the Lord is leading your campaign, victory is the only outcome that there can be. So it doesn't matter where you end up, there will be victory. Now notice, we said victory. There can't be victory without a battle. We get the idea sometimes that the Holy Ghost keeps us from battles. Wrong. Couldn't be any more wrong. As a matter of fact, the moment that, Mo that Moses met the burning bush, he sent straight back to the thing that he'd been running from for 40 years. 
The very moment he meets the pillar of fire, he says, now quit running, boy, and get back in the fight. Get back where you ran from. Get back there and face the very thing that's been terrifying you for all these years. He runs him straight into a battle. He runs him straight into a trial. We see the same thing in Jesus' life there at the River Jordan when the Holy Spirit comes. And immediately he's led into the wilderness for a battle. He's led into the wilderness. There's no time for rest and relaxation. Here it is. It's time to go. It's time to test this. It's time to make sure you got what you said you got. You start claiming the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And what you just did is put a big target on you and said, here I am, devil. Here I am. Oh, you, you, you got the Holy Ghost? We're about to find out. You got the Holy Ghost? You're about to be tested. You're about to be tried. You're about to be put into battle. But let me tell you, you're about to have victory. Nobody said it's going to be easy. Nobody said it's going to be a bed of roses. It's going to be war. It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be times you don't know where to turn. There's going to be tears. There's going to be worry and fret. I understand those things. But just hold on and trust and believe and let him lead you. And you will be victorious. Victory is certain when you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Since we're looking at being led tonight, we've said before that blessings really aren't a true indication that you are in God's will. But hard trials are also not always an indication that you aren't in God's will. See, the devil likes to get us on that when trials come, when everything falls apart, and he whispered, it's all your fault. What'd you do wrong? Where'd you fail God? Where'd you get out of his will? And we begin to question ourselves. You know what's happening in those moments? You're having a trial. (gasps) Christians have trials? Lots of them. Christians have hardships? Lots of them. That's what's happening. It's life. Life's happening. You're in the middle of what's called life. They are going to be a part of your life. But unlike somebody without the leadership of God, another part of your life is victory. Another part of your life is overcoming. Another part of your life is rising above and putting Satan under your feet. It's not just trials, trials, trials. It's victories, victories, victories. It's winning, winning, winning. There, is, uh, there, there are rewards that come with being led by the Spirit. And that is you will always be led to victory. Brother Branham says when you see something going wrong for a fella, that don't mean he's being whipped by God. It might not be that he's out of the will of God. He knows in his heart whether he's listening to the trumpet or not. He knows within his heart. Don't look at trials and tribulations in another man's life. And I mean, that's the same thing they did to Job, secret sinner. Don't be a Job's friend. Don't be a Job's. Job's friends are not good friends. All right. Job's friends are not good friends. Be that person that goes to prayer for somebody in struggle. Be that person that lends a shoulder, that offers a positive word that says, how can I help? How can we pray? We're here for you, brother. We're standing with you, brother. And then we're not saying that, that God won't use these circumstances or circumstances of life sometimes to get your attention. Sure he will. Sometimes he'll use these things and he'll allow things to come to draw you closer to him. Sure he will. Sometimes he uses the circumstances of life, the trials at home or the trials in a church to make you check yourself and make sure that you that you're where you're supposed to be with him in your spiritual walk to make sure that you're where you're supposed to be as you walk with God. Brother Branham would say the cloudy skies and storms of life, though, are no signs of God's disapproval. 
They're not signs of God's disapproval. We are just supposed to walk by faith and line our life up to the word. And if our life lines up to the word and we're following his leadership, then come what may, I know I can stand. Come what may, I know I'm going to make it. Well, how do you know you're right? Because I've looked into the mirror of God's word. I'm living according to God's word. I'm following his leadership. I'm doing what he said. Now if a trial comes, I'm standing where I'm supposed to stand. I'm where I'm supposed to be. The children of Israel were supposed to be at the Red Sea. They were not off course. They were following the leadership of the Lord and he led them to the Red Sea. So many people say, well, I just want to know the will of God for my life. That's always a tricky one. Because really what they're saying is, I want to know the future. I want to know what God wants me to do in seven years. Yeah. Moses would have loved to know they were coming up on a Red Sea too. He would have loved to know about them, them serpents. There's a lot of things we would love to know, but that's not how it operates. There are no big neon signs outside your door that says, today is going to be an awful day. Make sure you don't go here because that's not realistic. That's not the leadership of the Lord that you avoid every single calamity and you avoid every single trial and every single. The leadership of the Lord is knowing he's got my hand. I'm walking according to his word. So when I come to one of these things, he brought me to it. He's going to bring me through it. That is knowing the will of God. Is I, what is the will of God for you to walk according to his word? For you to seek daily in prayer, Lord, what would you have me? It's not always an audible voice, but just knowing that the footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. It's not that he's going to tell you the future. The only future that we're promised to know is that we're going to make it. That's enough for me. The only future I need to know is that I'm going to win. The only future I need to know is I'm going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I know that Satan's going to be cast into a lake of fire. I know that I'm going to live eternity with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's enough future for me. I know that. And so between here and there, I'm going to trust and I'm going to submit myself to his will. It says, he will be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The scripture likens us, to, likens us to sheep. And there's many examples in the scripture of this, but one that we'll all know, Psalms 23 and 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Brother Branham says, God has likened us unto sheep. And if anyone knows about raising sheep and the nature of sheep, why you know that a sheep cannot find his way around, he has to be led. He says, oh, a lamb must be led. It has no way to lead itself. Did you ever see a lamb lost? When a sheep gets lost, he just totally helpless. He cannot help himself. He's lost. He's got to be led. And a real, genuine Christian has to be led. He has no intelligence of his own to know anything about God. He just goes by the leading of the Spirit. It's critical that we humble ourselves to the place and recognize what Brother Branham says right here to be the truth. A real, genuine Christian has got to be led. He just goes by the leading of the Spirit. 
Church, we have to be led by the Spirit, and He, and he comes to us, and He speaks to us, and, and He speaks to us in a still, small voice. And we live in a world of, I would say, a billion voices. Of blaring voices that many times we have no choice but to hear. Many other voices we do have a choice, and we let them in willingly. Voices that we allow in, voices that we feed on, voices of negativity. There are so many voices that used to people didn't have to deal with. Used to it was just radio and a newspaper. But now you have the internet and social media. And, and because of the, all of the different things and the accumulation of voices and knowledge and information, we never take a break from all the voices that are constantly inundating us. You know, there's a, there's a, I heard a guy say the other day, he said, you know, if you don't listen to the, uh, if you don't, he said newspaper, he said, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. And if you do read it, you're misinformed. So what do you do? If you don't pay attention to the news, you're uninformed. And if you do, you're misinformed. But let me tell you what, there's something that will never misinform you. There is something that is truth. There is something you can hang your soul on. We got to get back to reading this right here. Reading the word of God. Trusting in the word of God. Walking in the word of God. Eating on the word of God and letting our genetics manifest themselves. And turn ourselves away from all the millions of voices out there. That is buying for a piece of our soul. Buying for a piece of our mind. But we inundate ourselves with the opinions of this and, and this news organization. And that one's better than this one. And every single one of them slanted because ain't none of them based on the word of God. And even worse than that, it seems like we, we, we feed ourselves on the opinions of every single Bob and Sue on Facebook and Instagram. And we, I mean, people that ain't even experts. At, well, that's not true. It's actually amazing about how their ability to, to be an immunologist. And then the next week be an expert on vaccines. And then the next, work, next week be a Bible scholar. And the next week they're scholars on international affairs and Russians, foreign wars. It's amazing how much your neighbor knows. I mean, whew. and most of them ain't never left their hometown, but they can tell you all about it. They can tell you all the research and all that and where they get it from. The same slanted places that everybody else has an opportunity. And by the time it gets to you, it's so slanted, it's just a circle. It's just mass confusion. We got to get away from the confusion. Look, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with news. I like to keep up to date. There's things that, that, that's prophesied about that you like to follow and look and see because they are time pieces. But you can't let that become your focus. You can't let that become your diet. You can't let that be all you're feeding upon all day, every day. You'll be a confused person. You'll be an unstable person. You'll be a troubled person. But if you'll just continue to feed right here and put your feet on the solid rock, there'll be no confusion. There'll be no shaking. There'll be none of that because this right here is truth and you can rest your soul upon it and it'll never be slanted in any way if you take it from the message of the hour but these people they become experts all in a week's time and all these voices are, are crying out for your ear and if we aren't careful we will let it we'll let it begin to stifle the only voice that really matters and it's that still small voice of the holy ghost that's supposed to lead and guide you don't lose contact with the still small voice don't lose contact with the one who is to be leading you. Remember, you are to be a sheep. And to be a sheep, you must be willing to allow yourself to be led of the shepherd. And the problem is we get to the point that, well, sure, maybe we know what his voice sounds like. But, but, but we can't. It, it, 
the other voices we've let in have become so loud that it drowns that voice out. It's not that you wouldn't recognize it if it spoke, but the problem is you can't hear it because there's so much other noise being pulled into your life. You must stay in tune with the still small voice. We need to stop for a minute tonight and get on the dial. Some of these kids probably wouldn't even know what the dial is. I wouldn't even know what to say. I'll just talk to the old people. Get on the dial and dial back in to the Holy Ghost. Dial back in to that still small voice. Dial back into the right frequency. You know how you just. These kids are like, what? AM radio. We went way back. But we got to dial back into the right frequency. We got to get locked back into the message that's trying to take us out of here. Brother Brown says a few days before the old mother eagle takes her little ones on a flight, you know what she does? First, she gets up there. She stands up on the nest. Some eagles are 14 feet from tip to tip, the most mammoth bird we got. He will stand on this nest. The old mother eagle is usually the largest of the two. She'll walk back and forth over this nest and she will scream, call. That's so shrill that... that that's a, it's so shrill that the eagle gives. What's she trying to do? She's trying to teach her babies the sound of her voice. They're going to get into some perils in a little while. So they've got to know the sound of the mother's voice. I tell you, it pays to listen to the voice of God. The still small voice that speaks deep and rich. It attracts the attention of the people. There's going to be some perils along the way, he says. He says there's some perils just ahead. But if you're locked into the voice of the eagle, if you're locked into the voice of God, he's going to take care of you. You can hear when he's leading here. You can hear him when he's leading you over there. You won't find yourself messed up and tangled up and tied up because you didn't hear the voice of God. In those perils, you have to have faith. In those perils, you have to recognize it's God that's leading me. Listen. There were perils between Egypt and the promised land. There's going to be perils tomorrow. There's going to be perils next, li- next week. But you have to have faith that I know that it's God that's leading me. I know that it's the Holy Spirit that's leading me. I've been following this still small voice all the way. And he didn't lead me here to lose. Wherever I'm at tonight, he didn't lead me here to lose. Wherever I end up at tomorrow, he did not lead you there to lose, but he led you there for victory. When you're following that still small voice in your darkest trial, when you've heard the worst of the doctor's reports, when your symptoms are worse than ever, when you're hurting, when your friends walk away, when confusion sets in, when all those things are going on, but if you've been following that still small voice... Oh, and then he begins to speak to you. Maybe it's in a sermon. Maybe it's in your quiet time. But he says, I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. He says, I'll stick closer than a brother. He says, I will see you through. He says, I'm Jehovah Jireh. He says, I am El Shaddai. Draw strength from me. When you've been following that still small voice in those darkest moments, he'll come to you. He'll speak to you. And once you've heard that still small voice for your situation, you can go forward fearlessly. You can go forward fearlessly knowing it's all going to work out for my good. He spoke to me. I've been following that still small voice. We have to be sheep tonight. And we can't lose contact with the shepherd. Because you have no hope on your own. 
A sheep stands no chance amongst the wolves whenever they get away from the shepherd. A sheep lost in the wilderness is going to be devoured. It's going to be eaten. It's going to be torn apart. So you must stay in touch with that voice. It works. It works both ways. If you're constantly in touch with that voice, it becomes easier and easier for you to recognize the voice when it speaks. And yet, if you ignore it enough times, or you miss it enough times, it becomes harder and harder for you to recognize that voice when it speaks. I saw a church sign down in Dixie Inn the other day. It said, the problem with missing church is, pretty soon you won't miss it. The problem with missing church is pretty soon you won't miss it. It won't be something that's pulling. Oh, I hate to I can't believe we have to miss. Sometimes things happen and you can't believe it. It hurts. You don't, you want to be here. You want to worship. You want to be with your brothers and sisters. But let that happen over and over and over. And pretty soon is it, well, I mean, this is just what we do. We go every other time. Or we go one out of four or two out of four or whatever it is. And the problem with missing the voice of God is pretty soon you won't even know that he's speaking to you and you'll miss it every time that he tries to lead you. If you tune it out enough, it gets easier and easier to miss. Brother Brown says, oh God, let me stand still. Hide me in the cleft of the rock. Lord, I want to hear that still small voice. And brother, when you want, sit still enough and listen. Till you can hear that still small voice of Christ. It's different from any message you ever heard in your life. It brings a peace. It brings a satisfaction. It does something to you that stirs your innermost being. You're never the same. Once you ever have an opportunity and you know that he spoke to your heart. Like nothing else, it'll settle the issue. When you're dealing with something and praying about something, you can look to the word and we trust in the word. But if that still small voice ever drops down and confirms to you that it's over, buddy, there ain't a devil in hell shake you from it. There ain't a devil in hell that'll move you. So listen for the still small voice. Stay in touch with the still small voice. Stay in contact with the shepherd that is supposed to be leading you. The Lord has promised to not only take us out, but he has promised to take us in. And our focus has to remain On the promised land. On complete fulfillment of the promise. And and although there is a wilderness journey. And and although we are to be led in the wilderness. And we know he will provide in the wilderness. And we should strive even in in our earthly walk. We should strive uh, um, to be all that we can be here. We should. You should strive to be all that you can be. But uh, no, no, one, uh, uh, no Christian is called to be lazy and unfruitful. You're supposed to do all you can. You're supposed to strive to be the best. But our main goal is not on how successful can I be in the wilderness. And I want you to be successful. I want you to have a career. I want you to provide. I want those things, to do, especially you men and you women, whatever God calls you to. Be all you can be here on earth. But our goal isn't to see how successful we can be in the wilderness. That can't become our main goal. Uh, we, we often speak of not getting caught up in all the, the news of the world, even as I said earlier, in the modern events all around us and Try not to get caught up in the wars and the sickness and the rumors of wars and the evil of politics. Try not to get caught up in all that. And that's good advice. But an even greater distraction for many is this distraction of success. We hit this for a moment last Wednesday as we dealt with finding the will of God. That earthly blessings do not always mean you're in his will. 
Some of the most irresistible temptations come in the wake of blessings. Excuse me. There's a tendency in humanity to coast after a breakthrough. There is a tendency to coast as you near the end. Studies show that in military campaigns and large construction projects, that towards the very end of the campaign or towards the very end of a project is when most accidents take place. Because the attitude is, we finished. We made it. We're there. And there's a relaxing that takes place. A guard, as it were, gets let down. We let down some of our spiritual defenses. And so many times after a blessing is when some of our greatest temptations come. Whereas suffering and trials, not that I'm advocating for suffering and trials. I like to avoid as many of them as possible and as much of it as possible. But on the other hand, they tend to make a person draw nigh unto God. They, 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 they make a person seek God more and to be super vigilant and to strengthen their defenses. Because the reason is suffering will quickly turn one away from believing that they are self-sufficient. Or believing I can do this on my own and I can take care of this. And you move away from that urge and you're like, God, I need help. But the successful person many times thinks, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Look what happens to even King David. Who in the caves and on the run for his life would write so many of the greatest psalms because he was in tune with God. He was seeking God. He was seeking deliverance. He was seeking salvation. He was surrounded by his enemies. But where was all that looking to God and seeking for God when he looked across there and saw Bathsheba on the roof? And fell. What happened was his dependence on the leadership of God had come down. Because I'm king now. Not recognizing that even as a king, you must be a sheep. Even as a king, even as an important person. Even as a front row, second row, third row, song leader, deacon, minister. I don't care who you are, where you are. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit in order to achieve victory. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit or you will fall. That goes for every single one of us. But he forgot that he had to be a sheep. Look at the rich young ruler and his inability to let go of earthly pursuits for heavenly gain. Why was it so hard for him to let go when he himself knew he needed to let go? He knew he was lacking. He came to Jesus, probably a better person than anybody in this building. Jesus said, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. He said, I've done all that since I was a kid. No mark against him. But even he knew he was lacking. He had done so well that it said Jesus looked at him and he loved him. There weren't many like this one. But why couldn't he let go of his earthly possessions for heavenly gain? What was it he knew he should? It's because he thought his wealth was his own accomplishment. Make sure that as we go through life and we're blessed, make sure that we always recognize exactly where your success comes from. Recognize it's him that gave it to you. So if he asked for it back, be willing to give it back. It was his all along. It never was yours. It wasn't something you built. Because what happens is as humans, we tend to feel like we've accomplished something great in our career. Or we've accomplished something great in our accumulation of wealth. Or we've accomplished something great because we've built a business. And so we have a death grip on it. We're not going to turn it loose because look what I've done. Look what I've created. 
And when he comes and he calls you to something else, he calls you to something different. You're like, but this, this is my business. This is, I've worked so hard for this. This is what, this is what I've done. No, this is what God has done in your life. This is where God has blessed you. This is what God gave you for a time period. Oh, we've built our life in a certain way, in a certain place, around a certain career. And now God's telling you to move on from that or telling you to move to another place. And the question you want to ask is, well, what about my job? What about my career? What am I going to do for a living? What about my house? And it's not that humanly speaking, these aren't legitimate questions. But if you know that the leading is from God, just rest in knowing that he did it once. He'll do it again. He blessed you in business once. He'll bless you again. He opened a door for you once. He'll open a door for you again. Who was it that did all that for you? If you think it's you, you won't want to let go. But when you recognize it's him, you can say, here it is, Lord. Take it. I know you'll pour it out on me more abundantly next time. I know wherever you lead me, you got something better for me. It's him that brought you to this point to begin with. I promise you he'll continue to provide just like he always has if you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Even when we can't see why or we can't see where or we can't see how. That's where trust comes into it. That's our focus tonight, allowing him to lead when you don't understand. Allowing him to lead when it makes no sense. Staying focused on the promised land when you come to the Red Sea. Staying focused on the promised land when you're out of food and you're out of water. He said he was taking us there. That's what I'm doing. He's leading me there. Keep your eyes on the promised land like it says in Philippians 3. Press towards the mark of the high calling. One interpretation of that says press towards the mark of the upward call of God. I love that. Press towards the mark of come up higher. Press towards the mark of there's a rapture. It's an upward call. Keep your eye on that and press towards that mark. The call to come up. The call to go home. That's where we have to keep our focus. Because when that isn't your focus, you will begin to drift. You will begin to look on how can I be successful here? How can I make my life comfortable here? How can I make sure I attain everything I need here? Now, just because of that, that doesn't mean you'll always quit church. You may never miss a service. But what are you putting in and what are you getting out? What are you there for? We have to approach every service with the sincerity that a meeting with the King of Kings deserves. But when you get to drifting, it just becomes going to church because we're going to church. Because it's what we do. We sing for a little while and hopefully it's songs I like. I hope the piano's not too loud. I hope the air conditioner's set right. And then we're going to have preaching. Brother Aaron can never get done in an hour on Wednesday night. When's Brother Timothy going to get home? Tonight, you're welcome. Hey. He said, praise the Lord. I, I heard you. <laughs> but that's the things we begin to focus on when you're going to church just because you're supposed to go to church. Because it's what you do. Oh, I hope it's not hide burning tonight. 
I hope it's not too long tonight. You know, a lot of people that follow this message would not have liked to sit in Brother Branham's meetings. They act like they love the prophet and get mad anytime they come to church and there's any kind of correction. Have you listened to any tapes? They are long and oftentimes harsh. And many of us would have struggled. Have we forgotten that correction begins in the house of God? We should come with the attitude of, Lord, if you correct me, I will accept it. I will take whatever you have for me tonight, Lord. I will take whatever comes. But when church just becomes something that you go to because you're supposed to be there, these things become your focus. Instead of, God, I need you to lead me tonight. God, in this moment, may you anoint the man of God to speak what it is I have need of tonight. God, I need a word tonight. God, I need direction tonight. I need you to lift me up tonight. I need you tonight, Lord. I'm here tonight to be led, however long the service is, whatever said, whatever song. God, I'm here because I need you tonight. I'm coming to meet you tonight. I'm here, Lord, to have a conference with you. Nothing else matters tonight. That's why we come to the house of God. To be led into his presence. I just want to find your will for my life. I want to focus on staying underneath your leadership. That's why we come to the house of God. To reconnect and stay connected with that still small voice. Let's all take inventory tonight and look and see where are you being led. What voice are you following? Where are you going? Is it drawing you and your family into a closer walk? In your spiritual walk, is it leading you back to Pentecost? Or is it leading you to a dead, dry, dull experience? If that's where you're at, don't stop there. Nobody's saying you're lost. Nobody's saying, I'm just saying, don't stop there. Keep on going. Keep on pressing. Press on to the upper room. We have to continue following the spirit wherever it is that spirit would lead you. Sometimes we don't understand. Many times we don't understand. It's more than sometimes. It's many times we don't understand. And oftentimes we'll find ourselves in wonderful places. In the midst of wonderful blessings. And we get so comfortable there. And we want to stay right there. But then the spirit moves. And you're like, but I like this. Lord, you were blessing me. Lord, I know I was where I was supposed to be. You were where you were supposed to be. Remember, it's a walk. You were where you're supposed to be, but if he moves and you stay, you are now no longer where you're supposed to be. You have to be willing to move when the spirit moves, even if it's taking you to the Red Sea, even if it's taking you to a wilderness. If that's where the spirit's leading, you better go. The Israelites would camp down when the pillar of fire stopped. And yet they were told, don't drive your tent stakes too deep. Because when the pillar of fire moves, you got to go with it. You could be one day in the presence of the pillar of fire. And if you stayed one day too long, you were left behind a sheep without a shepherd stuck in the wilderness ready to be devoured. You had to move when the Holy Spirit moved. You had to move when the pillar of fire moved. Otherwise, you're left. We got to refocus tonight. Refocus tonight and look back to the high call. Refocus tonight to the call that says, come up higher, go a little further. 
And let's remember tonight, wherever you're at, whatever you're trying to accomplish, whatever trial you're in, you must be led of the Holy Spirit. And no matter where you're at, he said, I will take you out and I will take you in. I know I'm got what I need to know my future. You're going to make it. I need to know my future. You're going to be there. I need to know my future. The rapture is for you. That's all I can tell you. But let that anchor down in your soul tonight. That's enough for me. That's the future I care about. We have to recognize that we're sheep even when things are bad. See, that's what happened with Dathan and Korah. They didn't want to be sheep anymore. They wanted to be shepherds. And as long as blessings was flowing and things was their liking and they, they, they got things the way they wanted things and they were okay playing the part of a sheep. They were okay playing that part, but in the trial, they could no longer trust. That's what separates a real believer. Can you still trust him in the trial? Can you still give him your everything in the trial? And they rose up against the leadership of the spirit and they began to influence others in the congregation to do the same thing. And God said, separate yourself. I'm going to swallow them all up. Separate yourself from unbelief. Separate yourself from doubt. Separate yourself from those things and say, Lord, I'm trusting in your leadership. I'm trusting that you said you're my healer. You said you're my deliverer. You said you'd be my shepherd. You said you'd lead me into green pastures. You said, Lord, I'm not looking to man. I'm looking to you, Lord. You said tonight. You said it. And so that's where my trust lies. So many people, any little bump in the road comes up and we want to look here for a way out. And we want to look there for a way out. Look here for a leader. Look there for a leader. Just stand still tonight and see the salvation of the Lord in your life. Don't be so quick to run off and be, and be scattered. Stand still and trust that the shepherd's going to take you exactly where he said he's going to take you to. But you've got to lay your will down. You've got to lay your ideas down. You've got to lay down your own desires tonight and submit. Submit to his leadership. Look, even in the worst of days, the pillar of fire was there. Even in the worst of days, the rock followed them. Look, we can testify to the same church. It's never left us. It's never left us. We still see the healings. We still see people filled with the Holy Ghost. We still see the sinners called to repentance. We still see the pillar of fire in our midst doing the works that he promised he would do. Even on the worst of days, the pillar of fire is amongst us. Why do I want to be led somewhere else or led here or led there? The pillar of fire vindicated this message. The pillar of fire vindicated this prophet. And I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. And I'm going to follow it. He's going to lead me all the way. Problem is there was a trust issue with Nathan and Kor. They forgot what God had done. Church, we can't forget what God has done. They forgot that he never failed. And when they forgot, they looked elsewhere for leadership. Look, those that didn't make it over on the Exodus could never blame the leadership. They could never blame Moses. They could never blame Aaron. The pillar of fire was there visible, vindicating their ministry every single day. If they didn't make it over, it's because they chose not to be led over. Because men... Humanity, humans, have a hard time being sheep. We have a hard time submitting. 
Brother Brown says, see, that's just the nature of man. He wants his own way. And God did not make man to desire his own way. God made man to depend on him, to forsake his ways, to crucify his way. He likened us unto sheep. And the sheep is one animal that cannot find his own way. He must be led. A little lamb can lose himself from the fold and he's just totally lost. He just stands there and bleats. And that's the way it is with the human being. If he becomes a lamb, if his nature is changed, he depends wholly upon God and upon God's leading. Church, I choose to be a sheep tonight. I choose to be a lamb tonight. Look, we all, no matter who we are, have to learn the importance of leadership. The prophet had to learn how to be led. We know how that early on in his ministry, how the Lord led him a certain way and he went a different way and how he paid for it dearly. We know how later on he wanted to just be a mountain man and go up in the mountains and do what he wanted to do. And when God would give him a message, he would come down and preach. He had to learn to lay all those things aside. He had to learn to totally submit and be led by the Spirit of God. So I ask you tonight, why are you where you are tonight? I don't mean an evening like tabernacle necessarily. Or if you want to apply it that way, that's fine. But why are you where you are? Did you end up in that spot according to your own wonderings? Are you where the Lord has brought you? Are you listening for further leadership? What doest thou here? That's what the Lord said to Elijah when he spoke to him in the still small voice. What doest thou here? Have you stopped progressing? Have you stopped taking ground? Or does this service find you right in step exactly where you need to be? The Holy Spirit leading on. The Holy Spirit leading the bride to victory. Leading you to victory. Hopefully we find ourselves marching in that. Walking in that. Walking according to leadership. But if you find yourself standing still, get back in step. If you find yourself struggling, there's grace and mercy here for you tonight. This is by no means a message of condemnation. It's saying he wants to lead you. Just give him your hand. Say, Lord, here I am. Lead me. Guide me. I'll go where you tell me to go. I will stop where you tell me to stop. I'll dig up tent stakes when you tell me to dig them up. All I know is I know where you're going and that's where I want to go. So, Lord, take my hand and lead me there tonight. Wherever it finds you. As sheep, we must follow him daily. And check daily to make sure that we're being led by the Spirit because that is what's leading to victory. Only those following the Spirit of God are going to find themselves victorious in that day. Are we being drawn deeper into the Word? Are we being drawn closer to God? Does this job I want fit into what God has for me spiritually? Does this relationship fit into what God has for me as a Christian? Do my actions declare that there is a holy God leading me? Listen to this quote. Your conduct and your dress and your manner of conversation and your entertainment and all these things declare the leadership you are following. If it don't line up to the word, you aren't following him because he is the word. Said they have eyes but they can't see, ears and can't hear. How thankful you should be, church. How you should straighten yourself up from these things. How you should be on fire for God. That your eyes behold what you see. And your ears hears the things you see. Leadership. Why did you come here tonight to hear a message like this? I'm branded across the world by the churches as a fanatic. Why would you come? The Holy Spirit led you here to listen circumcise, cut away the things of the world, accept the leadership of Jesus Christ or you'll perish as sure as the world. 
Your actions, your entertainment, your dress, your manner of conversation declare what's leading you. As a sheep, I want to stay in contact with that still small voice tonight. I never want to stray to a place where I can't receive correction. I don't want to get so far away that I struggle to hear whenever he calls. I want to be like Anna there in the Bible. It says way back in a corner about a city block away was an old blind woman sitting down there. Her name was Anna. She was a prophetess, spiritual, filled with the power of God. She was sitting there. And being she never left the temple, they'd give her something to eat and she'd stay there and pray for the people as they'd pass by. Anne would pray and say, the Lord bless you and comfort you. And she said, someday, oh, although I'm blind, but through this blindness, I see a lovely one coming. Oh, my. She had better eyes than most of you all got. Said, there, said up there this day, I see a lovely one coming. And I hear her testifying to someone. Just then the Holy Ghost said, Anne, stand up. He's in the temple. Where is he, Lord? She heard that still small voice speak in her heart. She raised up. Here comes that old blind woman going right around through the people, bumping into one, then the other one. What's the matter? Led by the Holy Ghost, deep, calling to the deep to see him. Oh, there's something on the inside of a believer, a deep calling to the deep. I want to see him. I want to see him in my life. I don't just want to see him on Wednesday and Sunday. What good is it? I want to see him every day of the week. I want to see him in my conversation. I want to see him on the job. I want to see him in school. I want to see him in my children. I want to see him in my home. There's a deep calling to the deep in every believer that says, I want to see him. I want to be led to him. I want to be led to Calvary. I want to be led to a living Lord Jesus. Amen. I've got to see him. There's a deep calling. Brother Branham says God has a new birth for you. But listen to his still small voice. Every one of you people who profess to be Christians. Get yourself quiet before him. Don't let the washing hinder. Don't let the work hinder. Don't let nothing hinder. Don't let nobody know what you're doing. Just go before him. Get up in the woods somewhere. Get out on the side of the road. Go into a secret closet and close the door. When the kids get at school, there, get down on your knees. You've heard all kinds of voices everywhere. But just get down and stay there until those voices are silenced. And you begin to lift up. It'll change you. He says it'll make you different like it did little Samuel. It'll do something to make you if you'll just do it. Now, it'll make you what you should be. It'll make you the kind of Christian you ought to be. No matter if you're a farmer, if you're a shoe cobbler, whatever you may be, God still speaks. If you're a sinner, if you're a prostitute harlot, if you're a drunkard, if you're a local church member, nominal, whatever you might be, the voice of God still waits to speak to you. He still waits to speak to you. He wants to speak to you tonight. And he wants to lead you tonight. And he wants to lead you tomorrow. But he needs somebody willing to submit and say, Lord, I'll be led. I'll be led tonight. We started off at the beginning of this. We were dealing with distractions. Explaining that just because you hit a hard trial doesn't mean that God isn't leading. Just because things are going bad, don't lose focus. You just remember you're being led to victory. You must remember that the God who promised to bring you out promised to take you in. And that God has got it all in control. And when we really believe that, that's when we can have rest. When we truly believe that no matter what it looks like, no matter where it looks like he's leading us, he's got it all in control. 
I, I, Lord, I don't know why we're going down this path. I, I don't know why it looks like we're heading towards the Red Sea. Why there's mountains on either side of us. How are we going to escape? Listen, he's not in the business of leading his children to defeat. Our God isn't in the business of planning defeated battles and, and, and going and taking you here and taking you there just so you can fall in the wilderness. That's not what our God does. He's not in the business of bringing you out and leaving you halfway. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't bring us out here just to let us die. He didn't lead through the Protestant Reformation and down through Luther and Wesley and Pentecost and the message of Malachi 4 and Brother Branham. He didn't do all those things to get to this point and then just go, I'm done. Good luck. That's not the, the way our God operates. The shepherd brought you this far to take you all the way. The shepherd brought you this far for victory. I'll say it like this. The shepherd brought them to the Red Sea so they might have the greatest victory they'd ever known. It may not have looked like it. It may not have looked like it, but I can see as Brother Timothy said when God laid out the earth and he put a mountain here and a mountain there and an ocean there. He said, I'm doing that because one day I'm going to bring my people right there to have the greatest victory they've ever had. Why am I where I'm at tonight, Brother Aaron? He's brought you to victory. He's brought you to a place you can have the greatest victory you've ever had in your life. It looks bad. The, the enemy's coming. Good, come on. It's a trap. It's a trap. Come on in. This is a place of victory for you. He's not in the business of leading you to a defeat. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, you know, it probably wasn't easy to be a sheep in that moment. And a lot of them failed at it. They got pretty upset. So the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid. The children of Israel cried out unto the Lord and they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt Thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt. Is it not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt saying let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians. That we might we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people. Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians who you have seen today you shall see them again no more. Forever, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Look, we're going to put it bluntly. He said, you're going to shut up. You're not going to talk anymore. You said enough negativity. Stand still for a moment and watch what my God's going to do. Because when my God shows up, things happen. When my God shows up, the sick are healed. Young people and old people alike are filled with the Holy Ghost. When my God shows up, demons are cast out. There's freedom in the house of God. The bound get delivered. Hang on just a minute. My God's going to fight for you because he's the one that led you here. Stand still. Our God's about to go to battle. Our God's about to set us free. Our God's about to crush the enemy. Our God's about to go to war. And when he goes to war, it's always a victory. We're going to bring this down now to a close. Very briefly. He isn't leading you somewhere in order for you to die. His leadership is always to life. You just keep walking with God. 
you've been walking with God, you keep walking with God. He's leading you to victory. He hasn't led us here to be destroyed. He hasn't led us here to lose. He's led us here for victory. When the negativity hits, keep letting him lead. When the blessings hit, you keep letting him lead. When the trials come and the heartaches come and people raise up and question the leadership of the Holy Ghost, you just keep letting him lead. You let him lead you out of sin. You let him lead you out of bondage. You let him lead you all the way to the Holy Ghost. You let him lead you all the way to the rapture. Let him lead. Exodus 15, 13 says, Thou in thy mercy has led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. All of that sounds wonderful. But there was a lot of awful things that took place in that verse I didn't written about. And yet he was still guiding those that he had redeemed, guiding them in his strength, guiding them to the holy habitation. It doesn't mention all the hardships. Listen, the easy road is usually the wrong road. On this journey, there's going to be trials. Keep walking with the shepherd. There was a Red Sea. He opened it. There was hunger. He rained manna. There was thirst. He brought water out of a rock. There was serpents biting them. He raised up the brass serpent. He met every need they had, every trial they came to. They fought wars. He was the chief captain. What do I got to do tonight, Brother Aaron? Submit. Submit your will and say, Lord, I'm willing to be led. I'm willing to let you have control. Don't be afraid to stop. To get back and listen for that still small voice. Listen for him to speak. The difficulty of the trial doesn't matter when it's him that's leading you. How ridiculous things can look to our human eyes doesn't matter when it's him leading you. Listen. I know we're going over into the promised land, but... When you look at it naturally, the battle plan to take Jericho, it's not real good. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to walk around this city and we're not going to say nothing. Then we're going to shout and these walls are going to fall. If you weren't a spiritual person, you yeah, they are. But when he's leading you. And you've learned that you can trust him. It doesn't matter how ridiculous it seems to these eyes. Lord, you haven't failed me before. You opened a Red Sea that I didn't think could be open. He's done things for you that you didn't think could be done. He's made ways and situations that you couldn't believe. Healings you can't explain. Financial situations you can't explain. Money dropped in the bank the day you needed it. Things that have happened. Children come back. He's done things you can't explain. So when you come to another situation, you come up against another wall. You say, Lord, I don't know how, but I know he's going to make a way. He'll make a way because he said he would. He'll make a way because he's the God that's not going to leave you stuck in the wilderness. He's going to make a way through every trial. Lord, why'd you bring us to the Jordan River at the height of flood season? Why can't, why? Why? Because he was going to show the same God that piled up the waters of the Red Sea. He's going to pile up the waters of the Jordan. And you're going to walk across once again on dry land. What he's done for you in the past, he's going to do it again. He's going to stop the situation for you again. He's going to open up a passageway for you again. That's my God. And I say, Lord, lead me. Take my hand. Lord, lead me all the way to the promise. Let I submit all that I am unto you. We have to let him lead tonight. We have to let go. Deuteronomy 8.15 Who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness wherein there were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint. 
Church, who is it that's brought you this far? Who brought you out? It was him. It's Jesus is why you're here tonight. And it's Jesus that's going to see you all the way through. Musicians, you can come. And we talked a little bit Sunday about we don't look to a natural patriarch and their characteristics. We're not looking to one of those that had a negative prophecy spoke over them, but we can look to the characteristics of the Lord Jesus. And he's never asked you to do something that he himself didn't do. He knows how to be led. He doesn't ask you to go through trials that he didn't face. Matter of fact, he took things so you wouldn't have to. He knows what it's like to be a lamb, to be led, to lay down his own will. Prophet of God says, I want you to notice what kind of a lamb this was. This lamb, a lamb has to be led. And this precious lamb that we're thinking about, he was led. Not my will, but thine be done. Led to the slaughter. Sometimes someone said, why was Jesus led to the Calvary? You know, the Bible said they led him away. They put a rope around his neck and led him away. Why? Because he was a lamb of God. Why? He was born in a manger. Because he was a lamb. He had to be born in the barn. He was a lamb. Born to lamb and led to the slaughter. Led where? Led to your victory. Jesus allowed himself to be led for your victory. Led to Calvary. So that you could overcome. And now what we're saying tonight is. Let him lead you to that same Calvary. Let him lead you to the Holy Ghost. Let him lead you through this trial that you're battling. Let him lead you through tomorrow. And all the days after that. And the weeks and the months. Let him lead you all the way home. Don't stop short. The leading went all the way across into the promised land. I want to say tonight Lord. I want to be led by your spirit. Lord, lead me and I'll follow. Lord, take my hand and I'll just submit all my will. I'll lay down what I think and I'll put my trust in you and I'll allow you to lead me. Oh, there's so much. If you'll let me, I want to read one more quote. It says, but here comes Moses, a faithful servant who esteemed the reproach of Christ greater treasures than all the riches of Egypt. He come to the end of the road, an old man, 120 years old, walked up on the mountain. He knew that death laid before him, and he looked over into the promised land. And he looked laying there by his side, and there was his leader, the rock. He stepped up on the rock, and the angels of God packed him away into glory. The glory of God, into the bosom of God. Why? 800 years later, he was still being led by his leader. We find him over on Mount Transfiguration standing there with Elijah talking to Jesus before he went to the cross. 800 years after death, the one that he had esteemed, the reproach of his ministry, greater treasures than all the popularity of the world, all the money of the world, his leader was still leading him. Oh my, he was led. His leader, he led him through death, the shadows of death. He was led to the grave. Hundreds of years later, there he stood. Because as his youth, he had chosen the leadership of the Holy Spirit. 
His name will be great when there is no more Egypt or treasures. When the pyramids are dust and when Egypt is no more Egypt, Moses will be immortal amongst men because he accepted the leadership of Christ instead of going the way that his church went. Church, when this world is burnt, when Satan's gone, when all the temptations he has thrown at you are gone, your name will be immortal because you have chosen the leadership of the Holy Ghost. You will live eternally because you have chosen the leadership of the Holy Ghost. He is leading you tonight. He's leading you to healing. He's leading you to salvation. He's leading you to himself. Let him lead tonight, church. Let him lead. Father, Lord, if there's ever a time, if there's ever been a time that I've stepped out, Lord, on my own, forgive me. Lord, I just want to be led of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that quote so touched my heart there reading about Moses. Said he looked over and there was his leader. Lord, if we ever come down to that place of crossing over, Lord, I know you'll be there. Lord, I know the one that's led me and fought my battles. Lord, I know you'll be there. I know you've been there for my loved ones. I know you've been there for everyone that's crossed over. And yet, Lord, you're still here for those of us who are alive and remain. Those of us who are still fighting, saying, Lord, lead me and I'll follow. And when the time comes for the rapture, I know you'll be there. Lord, I know you're going to lead us every step of the way. And I'm just asking you to take complete control, Lord. Lead my life. Lord, lead the life of everyone, Lord, present here tonight. Lord, if there be one that don't know you, may they recognize tonight that you're just extending a hand saying, come on, I'll lead you. Come on, I'll take you up to Calvary. Come on, I'll lead you to forgiveness. I'll wipe away all your sins. I'll lead you. Lord, may we yield to your spirit tonight and let you have complete control, Father. Lead us to victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Lead me, Lord. Bless you.